Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Few Goodmen, where we talk about the movies of John Goodman. And I gotta say, what we're covering this week uh, barely counts. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna be up. We're gonna be upfront. John Goodman isn't in this movie that much. He's barely. He's an extra in this movie. He has a name. His name is Commando. That's not a name. <laughs> um, Rob Williams interacts with him, and he has what is it two or three sentences? Um, Maybe two, and it's like, "Hey, have this gun or something, or this pamphlet on these guns." And this was, from what I can tell, John Goodman's very first movie role. It would make sense. He had been in uh, television um, before that. But By the way, we should mention, we're covering The Survivors this week. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. The Survivors. The Rob Williams, Walter Matthau um, comedy? Yeah, um, I think. Like, <laughs> at one point I'm watching this movie and my roommate asks, like, is this supposed to be a comedy? And I'm like, I don't know. So, yeah, so not only was this um, the very first movie of, of John Goodman, who was 31 mind you and Rob Williams was 32 when this movie came out so also oh God, early really? also early in Rob Williams career um this is also according to Rotten Tomatoes the lowest rated Walter Matthau movie of his entire career even worse than grumpier old man okay yeah, wow this movie has the same score as another Rob Williams movie which is um that like drive angry um, or no, the angriest man in New York. I never saw that. Yeah, they're both nine percent. Um, Ron Williams, unfortunately, um, similar to John Goodman in the fact that they are two—they're two geniuses who have a lot of certified rotten marks on their filmography. Well, it's because like John, like John Goodman, like the reason we picked him for this podcast is the dude is always working. So there's a lot to cover. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so, <laughs> so this movie is not technically a John Goodman movie, but I have seen it advertised when I was looking for it, where they would, they would put down the cast and they would include John Goodman's name in like the little, like they'd say, Rob Williams, Walter Matthau, Jerry Reed. And, um, you know, John Goodman. How, like, how? <laughs> so, Mark. I'm really not okay with him being listed in the cast. He's an, he's basically an extra. Yeah, I mean, he's in it less than um, Jack Nicholson is in the original Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, because at least Jack Nicholson got a cool scene. However, Jack Nicholson is on the cover of the movie. It is, like, now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because, like, okay, you're going through... This was, like, the days of Blockbuster. You're going through, like, the Blockbuster. You're looking for something to watch. You're, like, are you going to pick up Little Shop of Horrors, directed by Roger Corman? Or are you going to be like, oh, hey, Jack Nicholson's in this movie. Let's see what <laughs> this is. I've never heard of this. Hey, do you want to rent this? So, um, Walter Matthau. Did you know that Walter Matthau's first job was two years before John Goodman was born. Now, That's really specific. 
1950, the big story, TV series. Anyway, this is the low point of his career, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I mean, for me, Walter Matthau is always going to be Mr. Wilson. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Mr. Wilson. He was also, of course, very famously in um, The Odd Couple. The Odd Couple, which is his, like, grumpy old men, just a bunch of stuff with Jack Lemmon. Um, Escape, um, no, what's that? Um, Yeah, The Taking of Pelham... um, one two one, three. Yeah, the t- the original taking of Pelham one two three from nineteen seventy four. Here's something yeah. that's crazy. You know he's been dead for twenty years now. Yeah. Um. His last movie was in t- was twenty years ago as well. So he was working all the way up to the end. It's crazy. It's good you know, for him. Do you know he was in a sequel to The Odd Couple? Yeah, The Odd Couple too. Yeah, I'm. Only, I just learned about that because I'm right now looking at his IMDb. He also played Einstein in a movie called IQ. Anyway, Dude, this... I could totally see Walter Matthau being Einstein. Anyway, this guy is. He is. He you know he's a genius. Um, and his character in this movie, is, I don't know if Walter Matthau actually did much acting in this movie or if he just hated being there. Yeah, uh, you know what. <laughs> I understand what they were going for. It felt like it felt this movie felt like it was well written but poorly cast. Well written in parts, but like for the most part it was poorly cast. This feels like it should have been John Candy and Steve Martin. <laughs> okay, but here's okay, so there's also another aspect of this movie that we have to discuss, which is I don't know if it's just the a lot has happened between now between 1983 and now that adds a whole new context to this movie so it's this it's a story where um we'll we'll probably go back into a little bit more details in a moment but basically um Ron Williams Walter Matthau uh they witness they witness a robbery the guy who is a robber is a hitman. They saw his identity. He was pretending to be black, which is a whole other weird. That was myth. weird. That yeah. was a really weird part of this. Yeah, and it was also like a main part because it was one of the only recurring bits, um, calling him a honky. Um, so yeah, so so the um, Ron Williams character gets scared because he's normally he was this like calm guy, and then he gets you know a gun shoved in his face and now all of a sudden he becomes like we need to take back like same week he loses his job he loses his fiance that whole kind of classic this like, felt like falling down but it was trying to be funny yeah but the thing is is that he goes up and he joins up with this like survivalist group which i don't know which if is this is movie, i don't know if this and it feels weird I don't know if this is like the 2020 like perspective, but it seemed like they were just shy of white nationalists. <laughs> yes, a little bit. Like there's this one scene because they're going through like an obstacle course and uh, a cutout of a guy holding a boombox on his shoulder pops out and um, Rom Williams character just whips out his gun and shoots the boombox. And he's like, they tell us, like, if you uh, if you destroy their music, it destroys their will to fight. Um, and it's like, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a movie where Robin Williams is kind of a white nationalist. Also, also. A militarized white nationalist. And he's the good guy. 
Also, I'm going to I'm going to put this out on the record that this might be the least funny Robin Williams movie I've ever seen, and I am including 24 Hour Photo and in and Insomnia. <laughs> because you're not wrong (laughs) this is like this movie feels like again like there's parts of it where i'm like oh that's well written but the whole movie is just so fucking like i don't understand what robin williams is going for in this movie well the thing is he's just a guy who just keeps writing talking to these around and he's just talking gibberish and you're like what the but why is are they letting why won't they call cut on this scene i i also wonder and i wonder if you wondered this how much because this is 1983 right yeah um this is like right in the height of robin williams cocaine years Oh yeah, uh, I even met, I even have a note here because there's a part where he's like with the survivalists and there she's showing off like all of the all of the things he has. He's like, "Oh, I've got powdered pancakes, powdered milk, powdered bacon." Oh, and yeah. then Walter Matthau was like, "Yeah, you could snort breakfast." And he goes, "I have." And I'm like, "Yeah, we know, Robin." That wasn't Walter Matthau. That was Walter Matthau's daughter. And that's another his character's daughter. And that's another okay. really weird thing about this movie. Yeah, the first time we meet this character, Walter Matthau's character walks in on her watching porn. Yeah, it like very casually. Um, and then she said that some guy just gave she was at an arcade and some guy gave her porn. Um, it, <laughs> and this, I, I think, is supposed to be the setting up of like, oh, Walter Matthau is a protective parent because apparently she's supposed to be 16 years old okay but i don't know if that makes you a protective parent if you don't want your kids be given free porn <laughs> if, someone's like, if someone's like oh man i'm just like out here doling out pornographic images to children and some guy's like what the fuck man they're like look at this guy look how protective this guy is it's like no no that's a pretty rational response to not want somebody to give pornography to your 16-year-old child. But also, here's the thing, is that he walks into the house, and she's sitting in the living room watching How the West Was Wet, I think it was called. Yeah, which is not a clever name, but it's like, all right, we understand what this is. And she doesn't react to being walked in on. And he kind of looks at it and goes like, oh, is this... Um, what is this PBS? And she's like, yeah. oh, it's not PBS, it's a cassette." <laughs> and he was just like, "All right." Yeah, like, and also there's another moment in this movie where, uh, like, the leader of the survivalists like rubs her hand and kisses it, and it's like, "Ooh, what lovely skin you have!" And Walter Matthau is like, "It's it's sixteen year old skin." And he like backs off, but (laughs) really creepy, really creepy. I mean, it was interesting. The movie caught my attention because like the very first scene, uh, Robin Williams walks into an office and there's a parrot and the (laughs) parrot fires him. I'm like, that's a like that is a clever idea for a scene. And the movie, the rest of the movie is nothing like that. Yeah, so his secret so the so the administrative assistant, the secretary, whatever you wanna whatever you wanna, um, like the boss is away and he's having to do all these layoffs. 
and she gets all upset at the fact that Rob Williams is upset and has this actually one of like the few kind of like clever lines in the movie where it's about how um would you rather he have written it like just a print off like you know he spent a lot of time training that bird <laughs> and you should be grateful <laughs> and, she and it's like yeah that was kind of like at that point i'm like i'm kind of in bored with this movie also this is a weird universe because in this universe there's no such thing as a security guard because like when when Rob Williams' character is like making a big fuss, um, instead of calling security, the security the secretary pulls out a gun. <laughs> like then, you do. And then when Walter Matthau is he's at unemployment and he's making a big stink because um an employee isn't changing an entire system for him. Um and he's like, I'm not going to move until I'm not going to leave until you do something. Um, she's she then pepper sprays him and then just says next. <laughs> and like, as like, I like we watch that and we're like, that's sad. That's so satisfying to see. But, but like, the, like yeah, there would be de- there would definitely be security guards because like you don't think that people at the unemployment office can get grumpy. Fuck off. Also, so the kind of like defining moment of this, well, there's like Rob Williams, he gets fired and then he accidentally blows up or at least is semi-responsible for blowing up Walter Matthau's gas station um, because he's just like in a daze and instead he, he doesn't put the gas nozzle into the tank. It goes into like around the tank. In a way that is not even possible in cars anymore. Um, <laughs> and then he just like floods this gas station with 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 petrol. And then Walter Matthau, who owns a gas station yet is somehow for, for some reason he's smoking. Um, and you don't see him smoke really ever again in the entire movie. He throws the cigarette and it blows up his whole his whole his whole ordeal. I mean, maybe that's what got him to stop smoking. It's like, man, smoking's really caught it. This is the P. This is a PSA. And then they both go to unemployment, and then they're both at this cafe, and Rob Williams is like sobbing, and um, like, can you stop sobbing, please? Walter Matthau is like, hey, you know what? It sounds like you got a real lot of problems. you know, if you just talk to somebody, it will it'll make you feel better. So go do that somewhere else. Yeah, and then, like you can talk to someone, just don't let that person be me. Yeah, and then some guy comes in robbing the place, and he uses like the like a race, like like basically, if if you could do blackface as a voice, but he also was wearing a sock over his head, so also kind of blackface. Yeah, no, but the thing is, is that when I when I first watched it, I was like, who wrote these lines? Because you know what they kind of reminded me of? Um, They kind of reminded me of something that Richard Pryor would write for a black person to say. um, Yes. In kind of like a satirical way, kind of like blazing saddles. But I was like, this isn't, (laughs) I doubt that this was written by a black guy. Um, And then also was, it was, it was Jerry Reed, the country singer. Yeah, and like, 
And all, let, let me just say, Jerry Reed is not a good actor. <laughs> you know what? He, I, I warmed up to him by the end of this movie. You know what? I warmed up to nobody at the end of this movie. You know what? <laughs> Jerry Reed might be a good actor. I take it back. He might be a good actor because I hated Walter Matthau in this movie too. <laughs> Jerry Reed has, um, as an actor, has 19 acting credits. His last role was in The Water Boy. Really? Yeah, he plays. Is he someone... still alive? I don't think so. So uh, nobody in this movie is alive still. Yeah, he died in 2008. Um, he plays uh, someone named Red Blue or something like that. Uh, Boy Boy Lou. I don't know. I I haven't seen The Water Boy since 1988. So anyway, yeah, he is another one of the dead people from this film. Um, and he plays a a hitman who uh, apparently so because he eval- has a value of life he won't kill anybody for less than twenty thousand dollars, and because the economy is in the slump he's lacking work so he's taken up um, uh, robbing like you know restaurants and gas stations. And because society already has prejudice against black people, and they all, and they blame them for any for everything anyway, he just uses a black voice. Yeah, you know what? Like this movie is like this movie is pretty racist, and they're only they're not really that subtle about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, speaking of which, not not to get too much on a side side. Um, you know, track. No, 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 no. I would love to get on a sidetrack. Fuck this movie. I was, uh, this morning while I was eating, uh, breakfast, I watched, I was like, hey, I'm sitting down, eating some cereal. I'm going to watch some Timon and Pumbaa. Um, because I've Dana, been... I hate this movie so much. I would way rather listen to you talk about eating breakfast. <laughs> so I watched this episode of Timon What were you eating? Cereal, milk, porridge, what? Um, I was having um, I was having some uh, some cereal. So more interesting than anything that happened in this movie. But yeah, um, I I watched the first episode of Timon and Pumbaa. and where they think they're going on vacation to this to to go skiing, but they end up on a tropical island. And they interact with like the local natives, and I was like, "Man, this is way more cartoony racist than I remembered one Saturday morning being." Oh, dude, anything, <laughs> yeah, dude, anything like that, anything that like involves like indigenous tribes in a cartoon or TV show or movie from like actually any time in the in present or past. Is gonna be like an moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, oh, but here, uh, James Wainwright. So James Wainwright is this guy who's playing the leader of. Um, he's like the leader of the, of the survivalists. Of the survivalists. The survivalists, uh, but we know what they are. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, he was in he, he had a really interesting career too but you know it's funny when you google him you know how like google will tell you like hey this guy's known for such and such his career according to google this google paragraph sounds made up uh james wainwright was an american actor best known for his roles in such films as joe kid the president's plane is missing 
Killdozer. <laughs> Those are not real moves. There's no way the president's play. This sounds like an Arrested Development gag. No, no. The it president's was... plane is missing? I, I, I do not know what this movie is, but we need to watch it and cover it in this podcast somehow. And somehow link it to John Goodman. No, but the thing is that you read this, but all you have to do is just do like the uh, the Troy McClure. You go like, "Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from the President's Plane is Missing, <laughs> Killdozer, the Private Files of J. Edgar Hoover, Mean, Do- <laughs> <laughs> mean Dog Blues, Battle Truck, and the Survivors." <laughs> <laughs> Battle Truck. <laughs> No, I'm saying I'm, I'm I'm saying right now that Battle Truck is not a. Okay. <laughs> so yes, um, sorry so for the I technical. I pulled it up here. Battle Truck is a real movie. Yeah, and it's got John Ratzenberger in it. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, I don't recognize <laughs> the rest of these names, but John Ratzenberger I, is he the Battle Truck? I've got to look it up. Dude, <laughs> Can you imagine the John Ratzenberger? He plays someone called Rusty, who, you know what? That could be the battle truck. I don't know. Yeah. Isn't that one of the names of the characters from Cars? Probably. But, like, can you imagine, like, John Ratzenberger and his John Ratzenberger voice just being like, I'm a truck and I'm going to battle you? I That's. Oh, man. I, I, I found a picture of him from Battle Truck. I've never seen this young of a John Ratzenberger. Um, it's actually, I it's actually kind of because I think the the oldest thing I'd ever seen him in was uh, Cheers, and that was like late eighties. Yeah, but he somehow looks like twenty years younger than he did in Cheers. Where everybody knows your name. Doom, doom, doom. That was a great show. Oh, uh, 11 seasons. Um, yeah, Kelsey Grammer played the same character for 22 years in a row. Um, Kelsey Grammer's a weird dude. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, Kelsey Grammer is a weird dude. And also, one of the inspirations behind this podcast was another podcast um, all about Frasier. Um, really? You know, there's a Frasier podcast? There's multiple Frasier podcasts, but this podcast has the best name of a podcast ever. You know what it's called? Is it I'm Listening? No, it's called Talk Salad and Scrambled Eggs. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty good name for uh, <laughs> for a Frasier podcast. Which, what what movie are we talking about again this week? <laughs> the Survivors. Oh, right, The Survivors. I fucking hate this movie. And I, I feel bad because I've hated the last few weeks. I'm feeling like such a Debbie Downer. <laughs> just oh. a real, just a real negative Nancy about some of these movies. Like, I promise, I like movies. Hey, hey, you liked Matinee. Oh yeah, yeah, it's true. I dude, I really liked that movie. So last Let's just week, do another episode about Matinee. The last week was the Jungle Book two, and the week before that was Red State, and the week before that was Matinee. Um, okay, yeah, Matinee was cool. Everybody go watch Matinee. Fuck the survivors. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it's it's a weird movie. Um, I actually went into this movie kind of going like, maybe I'll be in the nine percent of Rotten Tomato critics that liked it. 
Um, yeah, because like I don't like to I don't like to look at credit at like reviews and then be like, oh, I'm not gonna like this movie because it is a rotten score. I like to try to be like somewhat objective. Oh, but hey, here's the thing. Um, last uh, one of our last episodes, we mentioned about how at the end of this season we're going to be uh, amalgamating. The two and I, you and I, we're going to be we're going to be ranking the 21 movies and we're going to make an amalgamated score that will be the official um, A Few Good Men ranking, which will be updated at the end of every season. So um, I've been keeping score because I find it personally easier to create a list and then, you know, you add go like, hey, is this better than that movie? Then go up and down, whatever. So um, I've ranked 19 of the John Goodman movies we've seen so far. And I have done no math. And the survivors just, here's a little bit of a hint for anybody who's a gambler. Currently the survivors is ranked 13th. Out of how many have we done? Um, Well, we've done 18, but I've also put in a ranking for a 19th movie. Um, Okay. So yeah, so I, this, so as bad as this movie might be, I still enjoyed it better than The Jungle Book 2, We're Back, Monument Men, Evan Almighty, and The Babe. <laughs> and we're going to be covering Kronk's New Groove pretty soon, which I have not seen. For some reason, you watched weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to... I I was... Um, I'm currently working on my dissertation, and I had this idea that... Um, I was going to try to watch all the Disney movies, all the movies that are on Disney Plus for John Goodman, so I could cancel my Disney Plus subscription. Are we covering Princess and the Frog this season? Not this season. So that's the whole problem that ended up happening. So I then I just got distracted with school stuff. But I, that one night I was like, I'm going to just get Kronk's new groove out of the way with. And you know what the thing is, is that we um, haven't been really recording all of these in order, um, which you can tell by the um waning technical problems we have and you I, if you're real clever you could try to piece together the actual chr- chronology of recording i would be really creeped out by anyone who would put that much energy <laughs> but the if one somebody thing is... really tried to figure it out i'd be like you are not coming over to my house you have like a trophy room full of pictures of my head but be, but the one thing is is that because because of that ever since like I don't know Speed Racer I, Evan Almighty or whatever I've been talking about Kronk's new groove. It's kind of be, it, it, we've got a we've got a jumping the shark situation on our hands here. Um, uh, uh, snakes on a plane, if you will. Uh, a lot of build up for this episode of of how awful it's going to end up being. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. So the survivors is better than than Kronk's new groove. So we can talk. I about- mean, I fucking can't wait. <laughs> Here's the thing: I'm a pretty big sucker for like kids' movies, for like like well made animated movies. So like, I really liked Emperor's New Groove. So I'm preparing to like. I'm preparing for there to be a pretty big drop in quality, but I'm still probably going to kind of like it. Oh, and that's and so so folks who are listening, that's the whole thing is that um 
we're going to be using the dark arts of math to uh, to create an official AFG score because Mark and I, you know, we're we're good friends. We've been friends for seventeen years now, um, or is it eighteen years? Anyway, um, the point being that uh, despite this, we're not gonna, we're not going to agree. We're not going to have necessarily the same number one and, and number twenty one. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to be curious to see where you put Kronk's new groove on the whole scale of things. All I know for certain is that um, I watched this movie for what felt like 30 or 40 minutes, and I checked to see how long was left, and I was nine minutes into it. <laughs> Are we talking Kronk's New Groove? Yeah, Kronk's New Groove. Because I was definitely doing that with the survivors as well. <laughs> oh, man. Um, this movie is like an hour and a half. And like by an hour in, I'm like, oh, my God, will this end? Like, oh, OK, we're going to like, let's talk about the end of this movie. They're out in the wilderness and like he's told them like, ah, fuck you. Come and get me. And so there's this big shoot off between the robber at the diner and Robin Williams, both of which have been both of which are kind of racist in this movie. And <laughs> it's like, they're having this shoot off and it's like, am I supposed to find this funny? Because it felt like it thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Because, Oh, so I, I have to admit there's one line that I don't know why I found it funny. Maybe it's because I was grasping at straws for anything in this but um the the hitman he sets up a, a decoy by sticking a cigarette into a tree so that like rob williams runs at it <laughs> and rob williams just yells out what kind of man gives a tree a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> and then they're doing a shoot off and then rob williams is like oh no you won't believe this i brought the wrong size bullets do yeah. you mind if I go back to get some? And it's like, you know, you want me to just not shoot you so you can go get bullets? He's like, yeah, if you don't mind doing that. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And then he leaves and of course he shoots at him. And I'm like, what? Fuck this movie. <laughs> okay, that was, You could tell they thought that that was a funny scene. But like, I'm just watching it being like, yeah, can you please just kill this man? So I'm going to save y'all like 90 minutes 90 plus minutes of your time by telling you what i think is the one kind of funny scene in the movie um this contract killer this hitman he has taken credit for uh jimmy hoffa's um death um and we find out he's also married and but he doesn't he hasn't told his wife that he is a hitman, despite oh them, yeah, I did like this scene. Despite them being married for like seventeen years, and he's going off to the wilderness to go kill these guys, and she's convinced he's having an affair, and she's asking him questions about this woman, and he's like, "Do you want to know the truth? I am a prof- I'm a professional killer. Um, you know, you know where I've been for the last two weeks? I've been in jail. You know where I'm going? I'm I'm off to go kill these two men." Um, you know, I love you. Uh, I'll I'll see you later. And he and he takes off, and she's like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene. It's like if there if this movie could have been more of scenes like that, and the scene with the parrot, it'd be it. This could. That's what hurts me about this movie is there's so much potential in it. 
Well, the problem is, is that this movie didn't know whether it wanted to it because it, it, it could have been one of two things. It could have been like a drama about the psychological the psychological effect of trauma and how that radicalizes people. So you see this incident where Rob Williams' character uh, gets mugged, and the whole the whole thing is that they're at the diner and he he demands that they take all their clothes off and Walter Matthau's character doesn't have underwear. So he refuses, but it's this whole thing. So like he thinks he's about to be killed. So he uh, buys a bunch of guns and ends up isolating himself from people who uh, think that's a bad idea and becoming more and more radicalized because of surrounding himself with those kind of people. That's an interesting movie. Um, For a drama, you're absolutely right. This is not a comedy. No, but that's the thing is that um, like that there's this movie, a Canadian movie called White Lies, which is about like a a young, young, uh, like teen, like a young woman who ends up accidentally getting tangled up in like the Canadian white supremacist movement. Um, Oh, yeah. We watched that together, didn't we? Yeah, we watched that in um, drama class. We, yeah, our drama teacher showed us this movie. It yeah. was actually that dude was wicked. I miss and, him. And it featured a scene, a sex scene where they're banging under a swastika flag. And I remember just Mac Clohan, which <laughs> we can beep his name later, just being like, because Rod fast forwarded through that part, and Mac was like, "I wanted to watch the scene." Oh, um, oh man, that reminds me. I I, I don't know if I. I'm trying to remember when when was this oh shoot I might not have I didn't beep out any names from the last episode. <laughs> oh, sorry the people we mentioned directly by name. Yeah, it was what Ryan Frampton and somebody else. Yeah, uh, Ryan Frampton doesn't give a shit. Yeah, Ryan Frampton wants to be a guest on this podcast. He doesn't Yeah, you know what he's going to be at some point for sure. <laughs> so, that's the thing is it could have been a drama. But it could have also been a comedy. But the thing is, is that they didn't go dark enough for the comedy bit, or they didn't go funny enough. I don't know. They're like, there's all these kind of weird moments. Like they're at a gun store, and there's like, this really little lady who's buying a huge gun. Um, and you know what? This would have been a great Coen Brothers movie. They could have pulled this off because it would have been a drama with a lot of dark comedy in it. Oh, if this was a Coen Brothers movie, um. Do you think that the Williams or the um, the Matthau character would have been played by John Goodman? I don't think. I think maybe. I think maybe the bad guy. Oh, imagine! Imagine this movie, but instead of Williams and Matthau, um, it's John um, Totoro and Goodman. I'm still I'm still seeing Goodman as the bad guy in this. Just kind of like just kind of like a down on his luck almost kind of door-to-door salesman feeling guy who also is a hitman. Like I could see him playing that character really well. Yeah, I guess. Uh, for the main if this was a Coen Brothers movie for the leads, I would say yeah, maybe Totoro and Maybe Totoro and uh... you know who would be a good you know who would be good under the hitman role in this movie. You know actually? what, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt would be funny in this movie. As which role? As the John Good, like or not the John Goodman, as the uh, Robin Williams character, just kind of like a dumb, but like played it kind of dumb. 
you know who would be actually good in the Jerry Reed role? Um, George Clooney. Oh yeah, George Clooney would be really good in that part. As like the hitman, because like the thing, the weird thing about this movie is that the Walt, the Rob Williams Walt. Okay, last thing I heard you say, uh, something about yeah, George, George, George Clooney. Clooney would be in this movie. Yeah, because um, I was talking about how uh, the three of them, the the two guys that he's trying to kill, and the hitman, they all they all team up to go against James Wainwright's character, Wes Huntley. And, you know what? No, John Goodman would be the Wes Huntley character. And here's the thing: is that this character is actually would be really interesting in a contemporary movie. This whole thing would actually be way more interesting plot nowadays. You have the same kind of economic downturn, the same kind of turn to radicalism, all this stuff. But more so, the Wes Huntley character. He turns out that he's not this survivalist outsider guy, but he's actually like a businessman who is using the fears of all these people, the, all these kind of like white nationalist survivor types to just make a ton of money. Um, and then I asked you if you remembered like, uh, like Alex Jones, um, who was using his like conspiracy radio show to sell all these like survivor kits. And. Oh yeah. The dude's totally Alex Jones. And I think, like, now that I'm thinking about it, you know what? I really like the idea of this movie being a Coen Brothers movie. Yes. Um, Uh, Because, like, thinking about it, that's a good movie. Like, this movie is not a good movie, but as a Coen Brothers movie, this would rule. Like, because it would still have the same, like, funny bits in it, but it would be, like, it would have a bit of a different tone, and it would have worked. And, like, seeing John Goodman playing... Instead of like just a like instead of just like a random co- like uh, commando dude, like seeing him play the like shyster, uh, like uh, extremist trying to sell all these survival lessons to people, just being like a sleazy businessman, he would have been so good as that. Yeah, so we got John Goodman as Wes Huntley. We've got um, we got George Clooney as Jack Locke. And we got. I still uh, say Brad Pitt doing the Robin Williams part. Donald. Yeah. And, and then, um, um, what's his name? The the Jesus. Um, oh, you know what? Maybe not even the Jesus. Who was? Uh, okay, I'm trying to remember the name of the. This is like he was in uh, No Country for Old Men. He played Lewin in that. He uh, or Llewellyn. Uh, he was in Hail Caesar. He was the main guy in that. What's the name of this actor? Oh, oh, you mean um, he was a Goonie? Yeah, uh, that guy. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin playing the Walter, Walter Matthau uh, part. I and see. then you know what? Actually, then I think the thing they were going with him being kind of grizzled and everything, I think Josh Brolin does a really good job at that. I just And I think that Walter Matthau could have done a really good job with it too if he, if he seemed to care. <laughs> Which he did not. <laughs> this movie was clearly a paycheck for him. Yeah, the, yeah it was... Rob Williams is... You know what? It's not a great Robin Williams performance, but Robin Williams is definitely putting his all into it. This is like six years into his career. Um, So this is still a a fairly green Robin Williams. Um, He was in that. One of his first like big movie roles. Um, The year before that. Oh, shoot. I'm trying to remember the name of that movie. Um, He was in a really weird movie the year before this. Uh, that I'd never seen before, 1982. Um, can you think of what it would be? 
No idea. Um, oh, Popeye, right. maybe? No, um, The World According to Garp. Oh, okay, yeah. I've heard of this movie, but I've never seen it. This also, just for some context... This came out two years, I mean, uh, three years after Popeye, and two years, I mean, and the year, the year after Mork and Mindy ended. So this was, um, this was Robin Williams' very first post-Mork and Mindy role. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then the movie he this, did after this, this was... The movie he quit Mork and Mindy for. However... The movie he did after this, uh, Moscow on the Hudson, um, is way better received. So, <laughs> yeah, he um, when you if you ever watch interviews with uh, Rob when he was talking about his experience in Mork and Mindy, he was like very grateful for it. But people would start calling him Mork on the street, and uh, he would talk about this one time where Mork was dressed up as a Dallas cheerleader, and he was like, "Oh man, this this show's this show's getting ridiculous." <laughs> he wanted to be like Rob Williams wanted to be a serious actor um, and would have a, a, probably half a dozen roles in his career that were all worthy of Academy Awards. Yeah, um, one of one of which he won one for. Oh, yeah, totally. But I'm just saying that wasn't like that one wasn't a flash in the pan. He he was so such a good, such a good actor. um for dramatic roles, but just kind of remembered for being... He was good at dramatic roles, but his real talent was in the ridiculous shit, if we're honest. Oh, yeah. Well, I... Like, his, I, re- like, his real, like, claim to fame has always been that chaotic Robin Williams energy that he had in his comedies. Yeah, and there's this one movie that I, I really want to see, but I hear it's not good, uh, called Boulevard. But it, oh, I'm so curious about it. Um, it was like one of the very last things he ever did, um, where he plays like a man who picks up a male prostitute, a male sex worker, um, and that's basically all I know about it. Um, but yeah, it's because because he he had a, this real capability of of doing both drama and comedy, but he didn't do the intersection of that enough i feel like he didn't wasn't in a real like dramedies so to speak um always went one side or the other okay what do you how do you feel about that do you think do you can, can you think of a good like ron williams like dramedy um i mean i guess like to an extent a lot of them were dramedies like if even if you talk about like goodwill hunting is, oh yeah that's a drama, but it's also kind of hilarious. True, but but like when I say like a dramedy, like I mean like something like um, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, you never saw him in those kind of those kind of roles, or at least I can't remember him in those kind of roles. When I think uh, of Rob Williams, in, like Man of the Year, which kind of sucked, but when I think of Rob Williams, I think of at least when I think of him, I think of like either something like One Hour Photo. Which is a such a good movie, but holy crap, it's weird and dark and twisted. Well, there or was I, Mrs. Doubtfire, where which he was fantastic in. Oh yeah, I totally. But I, I, I don't remember the dramatic parts of that movie. That's what I mean. Like the, where he shines in that movie is being like the ridiculous 
silly Robin Williams. Um, but then there's also that whole speech where he's in court and he's talking about how much he loves his kids. I have not seen this movie in a long time. Um, oh, it's have... fantastic. Go back and watch it again. I... Although I haven't seen it in a few years. It might have not aged as well as I remember. Um, I know that there's some weirdness to do that could be perceived nowadays as being slightly transphobic. But um, I, it's, it's I suppose, of... but I don't see it being like as overt enough to actually ruin the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, the one line I really remember from it is when he threw an orange at um, Pierce Brosnan's head. And, I don't uh, that. and said, oh, like the person just ran off. It was a drive by fruiting. <laughs> what a fucking stupid line. Like, you know that he pitched that like the day on set and they're like, all right, we'll just shoot it and see what happens. And then they're like, well, fuck. We'll do you leave think, it in the movie. Fuck. Do you, do you honestly think that he pitches lines? He just says them. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I bet like that, that whole scene was like, hey, what if we did this today? And they're like, all right, give it a shot. Do you know that movie's over two hours long? Really? Yeah, because it came up in one of my, it came up. It was one of the recommended uh, YouTube rentals after I watched um, after I watched uh, this movie. <laughs> I, don't remember, I don't remember Mrs. Doubtfire being like a long epic. Exactly. Um, it's like two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> what? That's actually like for a comedy. That's very long. Yeah, and it's particularly since I remember like four parts of it. Um, him sticking his. Sticking his face into a pie. Also, isn't isn't Nathan Lane in it? Yeah, I think no, it's Harvey Firestein. Okay, because Nathan... maybe Nathan Lane. I thought Nathan Lane was one of like the like the people who helped him get into like the makeup or whatever. But I might. Oh, just you be... know what? I think that might be Harvey Firestein and Nathan Lane. Yeah, and to kind of full circle, did you know that it was. Timon and Pumbaa, who were in the um, the Saturday morning Saturday cartoon, morning cartoon, like they do the voices, Nathan Lane and, and uh, that other guy. Like, yeah, I know it was yeah, Nathan Timon Lane and, and uh, what's his name, Sancho Panza, uh, the opera singer, Ernie Sabella, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, why? But why? Like, why wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Do you think, do you think Nathan Lane was too busy to appear in a Saturday morning cartoon in the nineties? Hey, Robin Williams apparently was because um, Dan Castellano did the voice of the well, genie in the Aladdin Williams cartoon. Robin Williams was too busy to do. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> but Nathan Lane, Nathan Lane had the thing. The problem is, is that when we when 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 we look at Nathan Lane's career, it's it's really easy to look at and go like, oh, he's only in these handful of movies. But that's like movies is his second job. Um, he, he's first and foremost an actor of the stage, which is way more um, time-consuming if you are a full-time like I mean, I, Broadway actor say that he's than a full-time actor. actor of the stage. But it's like nobody's gonna remember him for the plays he was in. I mean, a few people will, but for the most part, he's gonna be Timon. You know, you know what? Um, that's that's sad a little bit. Um. Also, he's going to be yeah. Birdcage. 
which um interesting fact um the person who wrote that movie adaptation from the french movie was the brilliant um improv actor elaine may who was a direct influence on robin williams who was also in the birdcage with nathan lane and the survivors see oh yeah we're supposed to be talking about the survivors Um, Nice and well, nice and nice uh, in the bow. Do you have any last <laughs> thoughts on this fucking movie? Um, Me I too. really wanted it's like, to like again, it. Started with a super charming scene where a dude gets fired by a parrot. Kind of funny. I think this would be an interesting. Like, I am ninety nine point nine percent of the time. I get frustrated with remix but i think this would be one of the few exceptions i think i could make because it is a movie like like my issue is that often the the remake doesn't need to be doesn't need to happen because i want to see creative stuff and the first movie did well enough on its own but this is a movie that could definitely be improved if they remade this movie directed by the Coen brothers, if you will, or even imagine this movie directed by Wes Anderson, um, but like a yep. Moonlight Kingdom, <laughs> like very scenic. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so something like that. Um, this is one of those one of the few movies that I would legitimately advocate for. Yeah, a, uh, because it's one of remake. those things that like don't remake movies that were done well the first time. Remake movies that were that had the potential but didn't quite hit the mark. Um, speaking of which, no, uh, do you know what next week's next movie's week? going to be, Mark? We're watching. We're talking about Emperor's oh, yeah, New Groove dude, I love next that week. Movie. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah, we actually recorded this one a while ago because of my aforementioned plans of getting rid of Google. I mean, not Google Plus, Google Plus <laughs> Disney too, Plus. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, you know what? If Disney and Google collaborated and like one of them bought out the other one to make it like whatever those two pluses together, um, that would be. I feel like yeah, that should there, be there's illegal. No way that, like. That's what like that's the beginning of a dystopian movie about like a society where one government like one company controls the world. Anyway, thank you guys very much for joining us this week. Next week we're gonna be, <laughs> gonna be talking about Emperor's New Groove. Uh we'll see you guys next. Oh. Hey and do you have any um do you have any uh, uh, uh any plugs there, at Mr. McHugh? The moment, actually, because this is gonna be coming out after one of the uh, only gigs I have booked at the moment. This yeah. is coming out on the twenty first. I do. Don't you yes. have a show on the twenty second? So tonight and tomorrow, I am at Yuck Yucks Calgary. If you happen to live in Calgary, yeah, awesome, cool. Yeah, and so um, have fun. Fuck um, the stay police. safe. Fuck the police. <laughs>